brother. What a blessing. Told Brother Charles, I thought Brother Mark was supposed to be a baritone. There he is, skying all up in the rafters tonight on that song. Thank you, brother. What tremendous music. What a blessing. I did have a thought, Brother Andy, if this singing gig doesn't work out, you might be an auctioneer. That song they do about Moses just blows my mind. I don't know how he gets all that out. Isn't that wonderful? Brother Charles, thank you for the privilege of being a part of this conference. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. The Lord has blessed me in this meeting. Every preacher I've heard preach has ministered to my heart. Every song I've heard sung has ministered to my heart. And I'm delighted and honored and humbled that I've been a part of it. Thank you for letting me come. Brother Charles has been a friend to me for many a year. And the older I get, the more that matters. Those who love you through thick and thin, I mean over the long haul. I have a lot of, you know, one-day wonders as folks sometimes think you're the hottest thing since sliced bread this week. Next month you never see hear hide or hair of them again. I thank God for faithful friends down through the years. And Brother Charles is the most gifted man I know. He's a five-talent man. He can do everything, preach and sing and play piano. And on top of that, he's an incredible chef. He's been cooking for us. It just ain't right for one man to have all that bottled up inside of him to get, be given so much. And I thank God for him. I mean, seriously, I, I'm astonished at all that the Lord uses him to do, and I thank God for him. Thank you, brother, for letting me be here. Well, you have your Bible with you this evening. I wonder if you can find the book of Psalms, Psalm 25. This is a, a focus conference. We call this conference Focus each year, Focus 2019 I want to speak to you on that issue tonight of focus for just a moment. My portion of the service before Brother Herb comes, I want to give you a devotional thought tonight, really, from a passage of Scripture, Psalm 25, and one verse of Scripture we'll read, and it's verse 15. Now, the, the theme of the 25th Psalm is a hunger to know God. And I'll tell you, folk, if we could get that fixed in our heart, if that could be the throb of our lives tonight, what a year this could be for us. If, if we could identify with Paul's burden when he said that I may know him, if, it, if that could bump become the defining burden of our life to go deeper and further in Christ, to know him better and better, more intimately as the days of our salvation go by. Well, here is a verse that speaks of the discipline necessary for that to happen. Psalm 25 verse 15 says, Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Now, just prior to that, the 14th verse, I, I would take you through the whole psalm tonight, but for time's sake, I'm not going to do that. But look just at a, two or three verses leading up to our text. Verse 4, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Verse 14 says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. There are secret things that the Lord will take you into if you have a reverent heart that fears him, things that the run-of-the-mill man will never know, things that even much of the church world will never know. You can be initiated into these things by the good grace of God if you just want to be. If there's just something in you that says, I don't want to be a topwater tadpole Christian all the days of my life. I want to move into the things of God. I want to go higher and further with Christ. And then our text is a resolution verse, verse 15. 
Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. Let's, t- let's take that apart for just a moment. I want to give you this little morsel from the Word of God tonight that you could fix in your memory if you care to try. Verse 15, mine eyes. That's, that's the idea of concentration. I'm going to give you four words to sum up this verse. We'll walk through it a bit at a time. And the first word is concentration. The emphasis in this text is on the focus of my mind. And that's the biggest issue in life. What am I focusing myself on? What am I looking to? What am I looking for? Obviously now, you would say tonight, the Lord is invisible to the naked eye. So when he says, mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, he's not talking about the physical organ of sight. He's talking about the eyes of faith. He's speaking here about mental concentration. He's speaking about spiritual focus. It's what my inner man is looking at, not what my outer man is seeing. The word in our text translated, eyes, mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. In the Hebrew tongue, it could be translated, my concern, my confidence, my thoughts. So the idea is I am focusing my concerns, I'm focusing my thoughts and my confidence on the Lord. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, one of the great texts in the Bible that helps me in hours of trial. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Well, isn't that a conundrum? I mean, isn't that a strange thing to say? We look not at things that are seen, but at things that are not seen. How in the world can you look at something that, by definition, can't be seen. He's obviously speaking of something other than physical sight. He's speaking of what his mind is concentrating on. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. That is, by physical sight. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible records a prayer from the apostle's heart for the people of God. He said, my prayer is that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling. Friend, if you could discover tonight what your eyes are toward, you'll discover where your life is headed. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. Brother Mark mentioned today in the noon service that the real beginning of the spiritual warfare is in the realm of the mind. And I want to emphasize that again this evening for a moment. What am I thinking about most of the time? What am I concentrating my mental energy on in terms of my meditations and in terms of my anticipations? What am I relying on for help and relief from the troubles of life? Now listen, I'm not talking about just the task at hand. Right now, you might say, preacher, what are my eyes toward? Well, right now, my eyes are on this chainsaw that I'm I'm cutting. Well, I know you have tasks at hand that you have to be thinking about in that moment. You say, my eyes are on the highway. I'm driving my car down the road at this instance. I'm not talking about the task at hand now. I'm speaking of the bigger picture. When you don't have to put your eyes physically on something that is all-consuming, where does your mind go? when there's no immediate call for pressing attention. I'm in the throes of preaching a sermon right now. I have to think about that. But when I get through with that and I'm driving home tonight and my mind can relax and go where it will, where does my mind go when there's no immediate task at hand? What is the default setting for your faith? 
What do you trust to give you joy and meaning in life and relief to you when you're stressed? Is it some form of entertainment, some escape mechanism, some material or sensual placebo that helps you cover over the pain of life? The, the issue of our text tonight is not just a casual glance, it's a concentrated look. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. This is about where I'm placing my faith. This is about what I'm trusting. I am looking to something tonight. So are you. I am looking to something to help me make sense of life and to empower me to make it through from day to day as well as to handle the crises that come along in life's journey. The only question is, what am I looking to? Where am I turning my eyes? That is, the eyes of my heart and my mind. So first of all, the word concentration comes up in this idea of the eye being intentionally focused on something. Secondly, let me, let me give you the word consistency. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. Ever toward. Most of us will think on the Lord at times of great fear or in seasons of terrible crisis. What makes the difference in spiritual maturity and what will make the difference in 2019 for you? What would turn 2019 out of another year of just religious humdrum into a year of explosive spiritual growth? What could make the difference in real victory is that you will make the Lord the consistent focus of your life. You don't just turn your eyes to him when you need to be bailed out of trouble or when a crisis arises. The psalmist said, mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. And the word ever literally means constantly, regularly. It speaks of a constant and, 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 and enduring commitment. Now, let me make this clear. It doesn't necessarily mean every minute of every day he's the only thing I ever think of. Because all through the difficulties of life, there are things that I have to deal with, and you do too. I mentioned that already. But the thing that this text emphasizes, the, the emphasis of this Hebrew word ever, mine eyes are ever. Well, I'll give you another place it's used in the Bible that will illustrate it. Scripture speaking of a man that you may recognize by name, I hope you do. You probably haven't chosen his name for your children. But it's a good Bible name, Mephibosheth. I use it when I get aggravated sometimes. I don't want to cuss, so I just say Mephibosheth. It's a good word to relieve stress. I may have to apologize to him when I get to heaven for using his name like that. But. Mephibosheth, a lame man from the house of Saul. David is king now. Saul tried to kill David, you know, repeatedly. David is king. And David said, is there any of Saul's house still alive that I can show them kindness? They said, there's an old cripple boy named Mephibosheth. Bring him to me, he said. <laughs> Mephibosheth came with fear and trembling, figuring he was about to get the treatment that he deserved as a descendant of Saul, the enemy of the king. And the Bible says, this was David's statement, Mephibosheth shall eat bread at my table always. Well, that's the same word. The word translated always in that passage is the same one translated ever in this passage. Well, you, obviously, you, we've got enough sense to know when he said he shall eat bread at my table always, that didn't mean that Mephibosheth never got up from the table. Didn't mean that he never stopped eating. It just meant every meal from now on, as long as he's alive, he's going to be sitting at the king's table sharing the king's meal. 
Always. You see, the psalmist, when he said, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, he was not saying that he cloistered himself somewhere in a hole or a cave and withdrew from life. He wasn't saying that every second of every day he stayed in his prayer closet and he neglected the duties of living. Obviously, life has to be lived. Jobs have to be done. Interactions with people have to take place. A living has to be made. This is not about a monkish retreat from life some super spiritual, hyper mystical mindset that makes me unable to function in the real world. This is about cultivating the holy habit of returning my thoughts to the Lord all through the day. All through the day. I have to do this or that, but as soon as I, my mind just keeps recentering on Jesus. Recentering in fellowship. That's what it means to walk with the Lord. That's what it means to have communion in the Holy Ghost. It means you don't have to be at church, you see, to think about Jesus. Wherever you are and whatever's going on, he's on your mind, he's in your heart. You're sharing life with him. The Bible says whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That means in the everyday concourse of life, I ought to have Jesus on my heart. And I ought to be in communion with him. All of us know what it is to have a thought behind our thoughts. You know, it serves as kind of a mental background to whatever else we have to deal with and think on. I travel full-time preaching Bible conferences and revival meetings. This is, as Brother Charles said, our starting my 31st year. My wife is with me here. She travels with me probably about half the time. Half of the meetings I do, she's with me, and the other half I'm by myself. When I am alone on the road... Though I have other things that I, ha I have to be praying over what to preach, I have to be interacting with people, fellowshipping around the church and all of the, the things that go with this kind of a ministry. But in the back of my mind, the default thought is, I'm going home to see Nancy tonight. Wednesday night usually I end the meeting. I'm going to go home and see Nancy. God willing, I'll get home safely. That is a thought behind my thoughts. And you know what that's like. You have a much anticipated event that's coming up. You may have to drive in heavy traffic. You may have to answer emails and tend to bills. You may have to work on your car or mow the lawn. But there's an anticipation behind all of that of a joy that you're looking forward to with great eagerness. I'm having to focus on dozens of details. But there's a mental background to everything else and I keep glancing at it and remembering it with joy and delight in my soul. That's who Jesus ought to be to you. He ought to be the one you just keep glancing to. You got stuff you got to deal with, but you just keep reminding yourself. I'm, brother, y'all saying tonight about having eternal life, knowing he's, I'm his and he's mine. Our pastor, the man I surrendered to preach under, still pastor in the church I surrendered to preach in. He's 80 years old, been there 40 years. Preach like a house of fire. Brother Lyndon knows him. Brother Lyndon preaches revival meetings there at Ebenezer Baptist Church. Nancy and I went to a service during the holidays when I had a service, a Sunday free. Brother Curtis got up and preached. Curtis Harrington's his name. Brother Curtis got up and preached that morning. And among the many things he said, it blessed me. He said, you know one of the gifts that God's given me that came from above? He said, I'm saved and going to heaven and there's not a cotton-picking thing the devil can do about it. Well, that's a good thing to remember, right? As you go through life's journey, just keep looking, every, glance over every once in a while and say, hallelujah, whatever's happening right now, I'm saved and there's not a thing in the world a devil can do about it. Looking unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's look unto him, folks. Mine eyes are ever. Now, give me, let me give you a third word. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. Consecration. 
I've spoken of concentration. That's my eyes or my faith, if you will, focused intentionally. I spoke of consistency. My faith, my thoughts, my mind is ever, my thinking is ever toward the Lord. And now, of course, the idea of toward the Lord. Consecration. This is what it means, friend. If you want to know what it means to live a consecrated, sold-out Christian life, this is what it looks like. Your eyes are ever toward the Lord. He is always the center of your heart, the darling of your love. He's the focus of your faith. He occupies the throne of your heart, and he is the ruler of your thoughts. Your thoughts center on him. Hebrews eleven twenty seven says of Moses, that wonderful song that I spoke of earlier, I love the, the message of the scripture around those events. It says, Moses, by faith, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses had learned a secret. Brother, it set him free from the dominion of the world, a paralyzing fear that could have kept him where he was. He stepped out in faith and made a difference for the glory of God because he learned to focus his eyes ever on the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, I quoted a piece of it a moment ago, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He goes on to say, consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. There's a tremendous temptation to be wearied and faint in our minds in this generation, perhaps more than any before us. We are in that period of prophetic fulfillment when perilous times have come. We are in that period of prophetic fulfillment Jesus spoke of when he said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of the majority is going to grow cold. We're living right there. You're going to face this year tremendous temptation to give up and give in and settle down for a mediocre kind of religious life. What would keep you pressing on the upward way? New heights gaining every day. Consider him lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. This is the great dividing line between Christians who are spiritual and spirit-filled and Christians who are carnal and worldly. This is the dividing line. The carnal believer rarely ever thinks of Jesus unless they're forced to by some outside agency. When they hear him spoken of in church or sung about, when some great emergency arises that distresses them or moves them to desperation, it takes some outside action to make them turn their thoughts to Jesus. The spiritual believer thinks of Jesus all the time. And I've said it, but I'll say it again. Not in the sense that they withdraw from the world of everyday responsibilities, but in the sense that they commune with the Lord and they love on Jesus and they seek to know his heart and his will all the day long. Right in the middle of everything else they have to deal with. Romans 8 verse 6 says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. And they that are after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. Now let me change that to a verb uh, or to a noun. They, their mind is on the... Th those who are after the flesh, their mind is occupied with flesh things. Those who are after the Spirit, their mind is occupied with spirit things. Simple as that. This is the kind of life that, that qualifies as genuine spirituality. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. Well, one other word I want to give you, and it's the word confidence. Verse 15 says, Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Confidence. 
Child of God, whether you know it or not, the net is spread for your feet. It's spread for your feet this year, this calendar year. The enemy has plots and plans. The fowler, who is the devil, is plotting your ruin, setting snares around you to entangle you and take you down into disgrace and into spiritual disaster. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. 1 Peter 5.8 says that he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The net is spread. Now the net is any device of the devil intended to entangle you in sin. Anything that would seduce you away from an all-out, hot-hearted surrender to Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4.10 speaks of a man who was taken in that net. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. This present world is the bait that draws us into the net. 1 Peter 2.11 says we are to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Fleshly lust is the influence of our old nature that causes us still to be attracted to this present world which draws us into the enemy's net. The psalmist knew this for sure. Only the God of glory could keep his feet out of the net. He couldn't trust himself because himself is still akin to the sin of this world enough that it draws him into the net. I've got to have help, he said. I've got to have God do something for me or I'm going to wind up wrecked. I'm going to wind up taken advantage of by the enemy. It is so vital, beloved, as we begin this year in the Lord, it is so vital that we learn to keep refocusing our lives and our thoughts on the glory of God, on the person of Jesus, turning our eyes ever toward Him all day and all through the day and every day, not just at church time or in the hour of emergency, as a habit of life, giving Him our concentration and our consecration. Because if we allow our minds to become enticed and fixated on the things of this present world, our fleshly lust will begin to assume dominance over us and the next thing we know, we're going to be taken in the fowler's net. I have a confidence tonight that there's real victory to be had in Jesus. Not just a pipe dream, not just religious talk or a song in church, but real honest to God victory. But that victory requires that God himself be involved in my everyday life in a very direct way. I cannot keep my own feet out of the net. The enemy is too experienced and too sly for me and my flesh is too stupid and too clamorous and the world is too available and too appealing as bait for my soul. But thank God, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world and thank God the Bible says if we walk in the spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There is a life of victory, and it is for real. You don't have to try to fake it. You don't have to pretend to be spiritual. You can really be spiritual. But the power for victory is not in yourself. It's in the Lord. And the key to keeping my feet untangled is keeping my eyes stayed on Jesus. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusteth in thee. Well, thank God for this great verse of Scripture. You could memorize it if you wanted to and make it a theme for 2019. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall keep my feet out of the net. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this portion of the service and the privilege of opening a Bible tonight and spending a few moments 
savoring the flavor. 